And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. The Athletic. Well, according to Steven Gerrard, England's all-time leading goalscorer, Harry Kane, has a big decision to make this summer. Uh, already a legend at Tottenham, a club without a permanent manager again. The next time he pulls on an England shirt in June, there will be less than a year to run on that six-year deal. I'm Mark Chapman, and here we go again. to score for the 54th and record-breaking time for England. It's Kane from the penalty spot again. And there is his immortal moment. It's Kane. England have a two-goal lead. Kane is England's priceless gem. In terms of where could he go, I felt that Man United might be the option. Or does he just want to achieve things at Tottenham? But while there's this chaos at the club, it certainly doesn't help the cause of wanting to keep your star player. Because He's got a big decision to make career-wise. I've been there myself where you're thinking, oh, you know, is my team good enough to get me the medals? Am I going to get out of my career what I want to get? So with us for this one, the Athletics Adam Crafton, along with our Tottenham and England correspondent, Jack Pitt-Brook. If you were a Tottenham fan, would you even listen to this? No, and I would, uh, I would send tweets to the to all of us involved, saying you're trying to sell Harry Kane again. You're trying to sell Harry Kane again. It's all the media ever do. <laughs> a reaction that I'm now used to, and which I have a little bit of sympathy for, because it doesn't really happen. To, I can't think of another example of this happening to to other club, like a, another club where everyone tries to speculate the, their best player away from the club. I think that's a very fair point, Adam, because a bit later on, although you're puffing and puffing already, (laughs) but a little bit later on, we'll talk about Marcus Rashford. Bearing in mind there's the same length on the contract for the two of them at their respective clubs, Marcus Rashford's future hasn't been debated as endlessly as Harry Kane's over the last couple of years, has it? Well, Marcus Rashford's not been on a golf course trying to get his way out of a football club in the past two years, um, unlike Harry Kane with, with Gary Neville. And... The reason that we talk so much about Harry Kane is because you have an individual who has consistently overperformed at a club that, relative to that overperformance, consistently underperforms. And the other difference with the Marcus Rashford situation is at the moment, you know, Manchester United, however justified that discussion may have been in the past few years about if there was a player that was hugely overperforming, well, now actually they look like they might be going somewhere. Let's start with the manager situation at Tottenham and whether that will have any effect on Harry Kane and actually whether it just even Conte's departure has any effect on Harry Kane. I don't think what's gone on at Tottenham recently can have impressed Kane because it's it's been a shambles. I think Kane will be very conscious of the fact that two years ago, almost exactly, they sacked a 
big name, highly paid manager who was going to take Tottenham to the next level and then had to scramble around the rest of the season without a proper manager while trying to find the next one. You know, those were the events that led to Kane's attempting to force a move to Manchester City unsuccessfully. And now two years later, they're back in the same position. So I'm sure from Kane's point of view, the one thing he would have wanted is for Tottenham to try and match his ambition, match his level, show a bit of progress. And yet Tottenham are back precisely where they were two years ago. The problem is we don't really know what Harry Kane wants anymore. Um, it's been quite a long time, really, since he's publicly, you know, expressed what what he wants what he wants to be. I mean, does he want to be? I mean, this in you know in the in the most polite way possible. Does he want to be the Alan Shearer of Tottenham? In which case, he'll have a fantastic career. He'll be a legend at that football club. He'll have a huge amount of respect post career. But you know, there may always be that little bit of wonder about you know could I have gone to a different club and, and won more trophies. Obviously, the difference with Alan Shearer is Alan Shearer actually won a Premier League won a Premier League title before he went to Newcastle. Or does he want to go down that kind of, I suppose, Robin Van Persie route where you've been at a club for quite a long time, you're individually hugely recognised, but you have that scratch, that yearning to go and, go and win something before you go. I, I think one of the difficulties with it and this is one of the real difficulties, is a part of a Manchester City, there's nowhere you can really go in English football now that actually guarantees you win a Premier League title in the way that maybe in 2012, when Robin Van Persie was moving, it was really, you know, if you go to Manchester United in 2012, you're probably going to win the Premier League title if Alex Ferguson's there. Or if you go to Manchester City, which was his other choice, you're probably going to win a title because... Um, they were they were so much on the up at the time. Whereas now, actually, I think we all probably expect Man City to win a title in the next two or three years. But other than that, I mean, it could kind of be anyone of six or seven clubs, to be honest. And therefore, even if he was to leave Tottenham, I don't think it therefore stands as a an automatic that he gets the success that we the media that Tottenham fans believe we think he deserves. And, and therefore, Jack, and I know Adam mentioned Shearer, but Je- Stephen Gerrard this week, at, when he was covering the England game, his comments were interesting. It's different for me because I grew up as a Liverpool fan from the city, all my family are Liverpool, and I knew winning one trophy more with Liverpool would have meant a lot more to me than being anywhere else. But he's not from Tottenham. He hasn't been through Tottenham all, all the time. He's got a big decision to make. Now, I suppose... You know, he he did win League Cups, FA Cups, European Cups, didn't he? So maybe that's when he's saying it's it's different because he had some trophies already and and, and he knew he wanted one more. But given the unpredictability of, of most of these teams, it might mean more for Kane to win a trophy with Tottenham than anyone else. Yeah, it might well. I mean, look, it's, it's very difficult to speculate about precisely what motivates Kane and what he would... What he would value um, in his in his own career in terms of trophies with Tottenham versus trophies anywhere else. What I would say is certainly from the outside, or rather f- from the media side, this idea that we judge great players based on the individual trophies they've won, I think is is a bit oversold. You know, even I mean, Adam mentioned Alan Shearer, but 
Would Alan Shearer be any less regarded if he hadn't won the Premier League with Blackburn, or is he just famous and loved because of what he did with Newcastle, England? Even mm. Gary Lineker only won an, only won club trophies at the end of his career. You know, the Cup Winners' Cup with Barcelona in the late eighties, FA Cup with Tottenham in nineteen ninety one. But he was a great player before he won any of those trophies, and he would have been a great player if he hadn't won any of those any of those club trophies. I think that the kind of public evaluation of Kane sort of stands and falls independent of whether or not he wins any trophies with Tottenham. But equally, it's Kane, you know, it's very much Kane's own right to set the terms of what he wants to achieve in his career. And maybe that is trophies, maybe it isn't. Um, and maybe there's something about being a striker. It's interesting you mentioned strikers there. Maybe it's something about strikers as well, Adam, that you, you judge as great strikers based on their goal-scoring records, which is exactly what Jack has just done with with Shearer and Lineker. And and if Kane, you know, Kane has gone past Jimmy Greaves, Kane has gone past Wayne Rooney and Bobby Charlton, he could go past Shearer in the Premier League. He's not going to be deemed any less of a great, is he? Because of the position he plays in and therefore the stats back him up. It's not like he's a centre-half. Though I did enjoy Harry Maguire defending himself this week by saying he's England's top scoring um, <laughs> centre-half. Um, <laughs> that's like the, the new metric for defenders. Um so, I don't know, is Harry Kane the attacker with the most clean sheets um, <laughs> for, for England probably as well? I think it depends, doesn't it? Like, part of this probably depends how much this generation of players cares what people say on social media, which maybe sounds a bit stupid. But if Harry Kane went on Twitter for five minutes, he'd probably find a load of people taking the piss that he's never won X trophy. Mm. Now, does he do that? I don't know. Does that bother him? I don't know. It would probably bother me a little bit. I just, I just wonder, you know, as mentioned sort of some of the English clubs and then you even look, you know, beyond that, could, a, could he go to a Bayern Munich? But then it's, I don't know, does a, does a Bundesliga in 15 years' time make that much difference the way we all talk about Harry Kane? Probably not. But equally, he won't, I think he will want to see some semblance of a plan from Tottenham. Like, they can't have another summer this summer like that one, which one was it, where they almost appointed Gattuso, where they were speaking to a manager... 2021, they were speaking to Fonseca and then they end up with uh, Nuno and then it's Conte. And it's what, what's interesting is I think there is a difference between probably what Tottenham need and what Harry Kane needs. So Tottenham need a, a process manager for the next two, three, four years to build a new team. And maybe at the, en- at the end of that two or three years, you get into a position where you can really compete. Now, it never really works as smoothly as that. Like maybe Jurgen Klopp's the exception, but I think that's the idea that people have. With Harry Kane, he needs to win now. He needed Conte to work. He needed Mourinho to work. And actually, I thought for his individual performances, both of those managers were quite good. I thought Harry Kane, pre-Conte, during Conte, became a better player. I thought he was in better shape than, than he was before Conte came to the club. Actually, under Mourinho, I thought Harry Kane was quite good. So I think there is this distinction between what does Tottenham need right now and what does Harry Kane need right now, unless Harry Kane is basically just prepared to kind of sacrifice himself and by the end of that three years, almost be like, I don't know, a bit like the Brian Robson at the end of his career at Manchester United, where, you know, you've basically put all the slog in for for the 80s and then at at the start of the 90s, you're a bit more bit part, but you get to enjoy that moment where the club finally gets together in some way. But even then, it all kind of depends on the theory that Spurs have a plan to win the Premier League in three years' time. 
a lot of what Spurs has done have done in the last three or four years is down to trying to make the most of the peak years of Kane and Son, and it's kind of been a disaster really. All they've got to show for it is finishing is reaching the League Cup final under Mourinho and then finishing fourth last season. Maybe they'll get fourth again this year. But the problem is that now that Kane's got one year left, and now that Son is has had such a bad season that it looks more like a decline rather than a blip. I don't think the argument for I don't think the argument for appointing another short term win now manager is quite as strong as it used to be. Uh, and I think it would be braver for Tottenham to say, right, we're going to rebuild on a sort of three or four year view, even if that means Harry Kane doesn't get what he wants, and even if that means we, you know maybe, you know we're not competing in the top four again anytime soon. Fortunately, I mean I don't know whether this is good or bad, but I don't think that Tottenham are going to do that. I don't think Tottenham are going to be brave and rebuild. I think Tottenham will will try and do one more famous manager. And so in that sense Kane will get the the type of manager that he would want. And you know, no one was more loyal to Mourinho than Kane was in the squad, and I'm sure that no one has continued to play better and not sulked under Conte than Kane has. So Kane loves these big name managers that's come in, but sadly the whole the whole process hasn't worked as well as any as people had hoped. So is that basically saying, let's get a win now manager again, give it another year and see what happens from everybody's perspective? And if, if Kane's contract is down to, well, he's out of contract at the end of that year, then so be it, because he didn't cost us anything in the first place. Well, I think they would be losing the ability to rebuild if they, I mean, they, they could sell Kane now and reinvest the money in players. There was an argument in 2021, uh, which I didn't agree with at the time, but some people did, which is that they should have sold Kane for big money to Manchester City and then done a huge rebuild of the team. I think that, I mean, I think almost every Tottenham player over the last few years, they should have sold before they did. But I think Kane is the one, the one exception because he's so good and he's so important to the football club. The money that they could get in to fund a rebuild now with Kane is obviously much less than it would have been because he's older and he's got one year left. But again, I can't quite see this happening, but I think there is a case for it if they could generate enough money out of Manchester United. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Before we come on to United, Wood, it's very difficult probably for you, for you to answer this, Jack, but would there be any acceptance at all from some of the Tottenham fan base that, look, he's given everything, we've tried everything, from Mourinho to Conte to Pochettino, and if he's done, he's broken the records for us, he's England's highest ever goal scorer, etc. Look, if he if he wants to go and try and win trophies, then 
good luck. I, I realise that's you know I that think may be a be. minority. I think I I, th- I think there would be some acceptance of Kane's decision if he were to go, but I think it might be. I mean, Manchester United are not set up to win to win the title yet. Maybe, maybe that would change with Kane's arrival. I think if Tottenham fans, if Kane were to have to leave Tottenham, I think Tottenham fans might find it easier to accept if he were to go abroad. But I'm not sure, as you said earlier, I'm not sure the market's quite there for him abroad. But I think there's a lot, there's a huge amount of sympathy with his with his own position, given that he's been playing, he's been playing in the Tottenham first team for coming up to nine years now, and he's 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 done everything that he could have possibly done for the football club and um, the, sadly the the team hasn't always been there to make the most of what he can do Do you think he would want to go abroad? I mean it's always very difficult talking about what he thinks and what he wants because no. he doesn't talk that he doesn't talk that he wants Shearer's record He wants Alan Shearer's he? record um, I think I, and look I think he if he stays in England there's no if, if he stays in England and he doesn't get any major injuries given that he's what he's only 20 he's still only 29 now there's every reason to imagine that he would finish, let's say, with 80-plus England goals, 300 Premier League goals, and I don't know, 350, 400 Tottenham goals if he were to stay at Tottenham. And even if he leaves Tottenham, he will still he will probably still get 300 Tottenham goals as well as 300 Premier League goals and 18 England goals. Those records will be more, I think, from, from, my, from my point of view, will mean, will be, mean far more. They will be far more permanent and far better known than you know whether or not he might have a medal at home for winning an FA Cup once or winning a Premier League or even winning a Premier League once. I think people will talk about those numbers forever until Erling Haaland until Erling Haaland beats them. But then Erling Haaland's not going to be here forever, is he? Like the modern, you know, it's it's really difficult. See, to there have you that go, longevity. there you go, Spurs fans. We don't we don't only sell yeah. strikers. <laughs> We're also also selling Manchester City strikers. <laughs> um. On to Manchester United then. I tell you what, be, before we discuss it, we asked uh, data analyst Mark Carey if Kane and Manchester United uh, are indeed uh, a match made in heaven. I mean, firstly, Harry Kane's goal output would be a fit for any uh, elite team. He's averaged at least one goal every other game since becoming a first-team regular at Spurs back in 2013-14. And very often he's, he's scored at a rate that's better than that. Uh, he's scoring at a rate of 0.75 goals per 90 this season. So a rate of three and four, essentially, which is his best rate since 2016-17. As we know, it's not just his his goal scoring, but his all-round game that that makes him such a such an increased threat and one of the best in the Premier League. And thinking about Manchester United, we know that Eric Ten Hag likes his, his strikers to be able to press from the front, to, to hold up the ball and, of course, link the play and, and bring others into the attack. And... 25 Premier League assists since 2020-21 season is incredible for a centre-forward. But I think digging a little bit more deeper into the numbers and not just looking at kind of goals and assists, that even numbers as simple as his 2.5 passes into the final third per 90 are really interesting because that, first of all, puts him among the top 5% of centre-forwards in the Premier League this season. But as we know, it sort of highlights just how much he, he likes to drop into those little pockets within the middle third and and look for runners ahead of him. And thinking of the Manchester United players, there's no one better uh, than Marcus Rashford in making those runs in behind. And of course, we know how devastating Marcus Rashford's been this season. So I think overall, of all the signings that that United could possibly make, I think this has to be one of the lowest risk transfers that 
that they've had in their recent history if they were to, to land Harry Kane. But I guess the tricky bit now is convincing him to make the move. So he says there, Adam, that this would be the lowest risk transfer that United could make. Would you agree? I understand the argument. I've seen a lot of transfers from Manchester United over the past decade that, you know, you think at the time make a lot of sense. And then for all different manner of reasons for what happens next at the football club, it just doesn't really work out like that. Um, Equally, (laughs) I was reading an interview with Wout uh, Weghorst this morning and Holland plays Gibraltar this week and um, Weghorst, God love him, tried his best but didn't score against Gibraltar to the extent that he was actually asked by a Dutch journalist, Wout, imagine if we would have continued this game for another 48 hours, <laughs> would you have scored a goal? <laughs> and Weghorst replied, that's a good question. At least I would have had more time. I did my best, but time was up. Um, and so, yeah, when you compare it to, I suppose, that current situation um, of Manchester United number nines, it probably does seem the safest bet ever to sign Harry Kane. Um, there are, and this is something we've spoken about a lot, is that there's a quite a few clubs looking at number nines or who have been looking at number nines for the last few years. And that pool of high-quality, guaranteed goal scorers is very, very small. And, you know, I think it's probably something Chelsea would be looking at this summer. I think Tottenham fans would take that probably far worse than if he was to go to Manchester United. Real Madrid, they need to replace Karim Benzema. Bayern Munich haven't replaced Robert Lewandowski. Barcelona will need to replace Robert Lewandowski. So, so there's a lot of clubs and a very small pool. And that makes Harry Kane still even at 29. It gives him an, an incredible market value. For Manchester United's point of view, I think it depends what that value is. If if it becomes a kind of bidding war with three different clubs involved, then I think they should be very, very careful. But, but the interesting thing, have... sorry, Adam, the interesting thing that you've mentioned there is the bidding war wouldn't be you wouldn't be domestically, would it? Because no. because as you say, Chelsea, Arsenal. Unless, for, you know, for obvious do, do, reasons, do, 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 rivalries and Manchester City because of Haaland are out of the equation. But is it the one where Newcastle goes silly with a year left on his contract? Do they actually say, let's make this... I can't imagine it's going to be more than £100 million of a transfer fee if there's only a year left on his contract at the age of 29. And they've spent £60 million on Isaac, on, uh, Isaac before. So, you know, this is purely speculative. But if I was Newcastle, that's something I would be looking at completely would fit into what Eddie Howe's been trying to build in terms of personality and things like that. It might not be where Harry Kane may see that as a stage too early in Newcastle's development to go there. I think PSG also probably would probably be in the market for a number nine as well. So you you have got these different options, but in terms of domestically, yeah. I mean, to me, it does kind of come down to Tottenham, Manchester United, maybe Newcastle. I don't see anywhere else that, that he could go. And then it's, you know, are his chances of success substantially different at Manchester United to Tottenham? Maybe for a cup, not sure for a league. Would, would United, just a final one on, on this, Adam, would, would United go for him because there would be less of a domestic battle for him? Because they are incredibly wary about dealing with Tottenham, aren't they? I mean, they do have they do have history that backs up that they do not like dealing with Tottenham. 
Yeah, I think, I mean, that kind of goes back to signing Michael Carrick, Dimitar Berbatov, David Gill's time at the club. That's now quite a long time ago. And I think probably some of those briefings around, you know, how difficult it is for Manchester United to deal with Tottenham might be a little bit sort of going from a few years back now. That attitude may have changed a little bit. Equally, you know, Daniel Levy's still Daniel Levy and he's not going to sell Harry Kane easily. Um so, so I don't know whether that's almost become like a bit of a legend that Manchester United are wary of doing anything anything with Tottenham. I think if, if it was for the right and the only player that they wanted, that Eric Ten Hag said he wanted, then then it would be, you know, become, an, become something they would try and do. And it's, you know, it's conversations they've had before about Harry Kane. They've looked at that before, but they've always had different priorities. Yeah. You know, I think so much of what Manchester United do with regards to Harry Kane depends on what Manchester United actually do next to the football club anyway, which we should know more on in the next six weeks in terms of who's the owner, how does that, the financial fair play limits, um, do they have an owner that's particularly bothered about challenging financial fair play limits? That may not be the case, you know, particularly if a Qatari bid comes in, we've seen, you know, at PSG, a willingness to, to stretch that at certain times. There's also the question around what Manchester United decide about around Mason Greenwood as well. Um, you know, do they, do they bring him back to the club? Do they, you know, do they find a way to, to let him go? And if they do bring him back, are they still going to go and spend a hundred million pounds and a huge salary on a, on a striker? These are all kind of open questions, I think at the moment at Manchester United. So. And Rashford's you know, contract. Was, and Marcus Rashford's contract as as well. I mean, I do expect Rashford to stay. I'd be very surprised if he goes. Obviously, I don't, Anthony Martial, I think most people have kind of just written off a little bit now in terms of the main number nine option. Um, so, so they do need... They are going to sign a striker this summer, but in terms of just how much they are able and prepared to pay, I think it's, it's very, very open. And if I was looking for certainty in my life at the moment, I probably wouldn't be looking at Manchester United. Have um, have Tottenham set a fee? Would 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 Tottenham even accept a fee, Jack? I think that the worse the worse this season goes for Tottenham, the harder it is for Daniel Levy to sell him this summer because it would look like he was selling from a position of weakness. He's already got the fans on his back. He's desperate to to try and sell some successes or find some easy wins. The more I think about it, the harder I think it would be for. Levy to sell Kane this summer for for any amount of money. As it happens, I think the chance the chances of Manchester United or anyone producing an amount of money that would make Levy sell, I think, are, are pretty low. To be honest, I don't think Tottenham. I don't think Tottenham can sell him because they wouldn't be selling him from a position of strength. Ultimately, Adam, uh, Jack, we will uh, end it there. Thank you very much uh, to you both. I don't imagine you're a Spurs fan uh, listening to this. Uh, but if, if by some chance you are, uh, you can hear more on uh, our dedicated Tottenham podcast uh, with Jack, hosted by the brilliant Danny Kelly, The View from the Lane. And if you want to read all the articles that are up there on Tottenham at the moment, including the one Jack's worked on with Charlie Eccleshare on how to fix Tottenham Hotspur, then you can subscribe today for just £1.99 a month for a year at theathletic.com slash football pod. Uh, that's it for now. We'll have another episode for you tomorrow. The Athletic. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.